Welcome to the Systematic Understanding of Everything, an Exalted podcast. This show is a collaborative effort between the members of The Story Told, Bonus Experience, and Mage the Podcast. We're going to break down the basics of Exalted from its rules to its setting. I'm Monica, 3rd Edition Supplement Developer and Lead Mechanical Developer for Exalted Essence. And I'm Chaz, Exalted Writer and Fan. I'm Terry, producer for the show, and I didn't want to cover this topic, but Chaz rolled higher than my resolve on his Persuade roll. And this is Episode 16, Unbound Social Mastery. So today we're going to be talking about the social systems in Exalted, and right up front I wanted to talk a little bit about my philosophy on social systems in gaming. I think social influence roles are meant to supplement role-playing, not replace or supersede it, and I think Exalted does that well, and we'll talk about how the rules do that as we go, and then demonstrate it in our example of play. And I want to state up front that I think all systems are available to all storytellers all the time. And if you want to just kick shit and leave the dice to the social maneuvering, that is entirely fine too. Also, sometimes the DM is tired and a dice roll lets you compress everything so you can finish before 9.30. You're in a no-judgment zone regarding how you use the social systems. Uh, And I could do a whole episode on how social mechanics could be finely tailored options for directing conversation. But I already did that and you'll have to become a bonus experience patron if you want to hear it. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. (laughs) Games are sometimes broken down into like three rough broad categories, getting information through an investigation system, physically preventing others from acting via combat or some direct force system, and getting others to do what you wish in some way through a social action. What is the core of the social system in Exalted? So at a high level... One character is using a social maneuver to make an influence role to get another character to modify their intimacies or directly act. Directly act can include don't do the thing. The influence role varies by maneuver, but are usually based on attribute. or they're always based on attributes and abilities because that's how storyteller works. And they are resisted by the derived trait called resolve, which is wits plus integrity divided by two. I assume that is rounded up. It is if you're exalted. It's not if you're mortal. Also, depending on the type of social action, this can modify an intimacy or persuade a character to action, which usually requires calling on one of their intimacies. A character can also choose to not apply their resolve if they want to do whatever they're being asked to do, letting the social action succeed automatically. It's been a couple of episodes since we've talked about intimacies. Can I get like a one or two sentence review of what an intimacy is and maybe we'll go into some of the more nuts and bolts about them later? Sure. Intimacies are things your character feels strongly about broken into ties, which are your character's feelings towards people, places, concepts, things, etc., and principles, statements of belief. They also include an intensity, which describes how important they are to the character. Do you ever let this slip into, like, real life when someone's going on about the benefits of, like, Kentucky bourbon versus whiskey, and you're like, bitch has got a two-point intimacy with Kentucky bourbon? (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that as a yes. Continuing on. Uh, So uh, you've talked about social maneuvers or social actions. What options are they? There are a bunch of them that can be broken into these kind of broad categories. And in most cases, there's still some flexibility about which attribute and ability you use depending on the situation. It's usually going to be uh, charisma or manipulation and then usually going to be presence or socialize. But I guess you could make arguments for other ones in there, especially performance for some of these. But right up off the top, we have instill. And instill is when you are trying to convince someone to believe something. 
by creating, strengthening, or weakening um, an intimacy. So to, to do this with a minor intimacy, uh, you just need to make a strong argument that that makes sense to them. But when you want to influence an intimacy that is stronger than minor, you need evidence that is more compelling than whatever created that current level of intimacy. And for particularly outlandish things, the storyteller can apply a penalty here. Persuade convinces a character to take an action, which usually involves calling on one of their intimacies. Um, if they don't already have an appropriate intimacy, a character may first instill one, which is why it was important that we covered that first. <laughs> Ta-da! Ta-da! You can guess at intimacies if you don't know them for sure, but if they don't have that kind of intimacy, the persuasion won't be very compelling. The extent of the action you can compel depends on the level of their intimacies, from inconveniencing someone based on a minor intimacy to convincing someone to risk death or ruin to perform a, li a life-changing task. So if someone has a tie towards love of their homeland, it's certainly going to be easier <laughs> to persuade them towards protecting it than to not. Exactly. Next up is bargain, which works like persuade in that you're convincing someone to act or not act. But instead of relying on an intimacy, you're using a suitable bribe, gift, or favor to compel that action. The effectiveness then is based on the, the size or importance of the gift or favor or bribe. And the storyteller is encouraged to consider the character's intimacies when determining what would make an appropriate bribe, gift, or favor. Threaten uses the promise of negative consequences, such as bodily harm or blackmail, you know, or anything else that you can think of that would suck, to compel a target to action or instill or strengthen a tie of fear towards the acting character. Threaten almost always creates or intensifies a negative tie and may weaken any relative positive ties. Turns out people don't like it if you try to coerce them with violence. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so it's a quick and easy way to, to, to get things done, but it's going to have long-term consequences. Next up, we have Inspire, which is kind of the weird one in the bunch, because instead of encouraging a specific intimacy or action, it incites emotions, which may cause the target to take action in accord with that emotion. And the acting character doesn't necessarily know what emotion they've inspired, because that, that is in part up to the storyteller and the situation. And they're not necessarily going to know what action it's going to inspire. Uh, I mentioned earlier that performance is sometimes used, used in social maneuvering, and inspire is the, the action where that makes a lot, of, a lot of sense. So if you perform like a historical ballad about protecting your homeland to that person who loves their homeland that Monica described earlier, you may inspire nostalgia, or you may inspire anger at the realm, or any of a number of other uh, emotions, and they may act based on that. Additionally, inflamed emotions may count as a major intimacy for the purpose of modifying resolve and for persuade actions. So if you can instill the right emotion in someone, you can then use that to convince them to take action based on that emotional state. These don't need to be done as two characters having a one-on-one. -on -one. You can threaten without words or a bribe without calling attention to it, but this is done at a penalty. You can instill with a letter or persuade with a work of art. Most forms will take a penalty when trying to affect a group, such as persuading a house to act or inspiring a group, except the dance doesn't take a penalty. So like you're, you're, inter you're in delivering a message through interpretive dance is not penalized. <laughs> 
That um, I am so happy that that exists as a rule that they're like, no, this is where we take our stand. That interpretive dance is effective against masses in a way that oratory does not work. Eat it, Horace. <laughs> if a maneuver fails, you can't try the same one again without more information or a change in someone's motivation. So let's go into more details on the intimacies. What form do they take and like how are they phrased? I think you've mentioned types of intimacies and intensity. Sure. As we mentioned in the character creation episode, intimacies are the things that the character cares about or feels strongly about. And they come in two flavors, ties, people, places, organizations, concepts, and principles, statements of belief. For ties, you want to state who or what the tie is and the emotion that is directed at it, which could be negative or positive. And it's important to remember that ties describe the emotion and not relationship. So something that I saw a lot of players do was that when they created ties to family members, they defined it by what the relationship was. So a tie of Nimon mother doesn't really say anything about how the character feels about Nimon, just describing the familial relationship. But Nimon filial admiration and Nimon filial resentment tells you a lot about how that character feels, not only about Nimon, but also about the character. Talk these over with your storyteller to make sure that, that you understand, or that both players and storytellers understand what you intend with your ties. Principles, on the other hand, are statements of belief. So it's things that your character believes about themselves or the world. This could be aspirational in terms of things that you believe should happen, uh, or it could be a reflection on, on your own character or a statement about uh, an organization. So things like, I will not bow before any tyrants are valid, as are, I wish to see the realm ground into dust. So intimacy seem real pivotal in the game, unless you're literally just like fighting glacier mountain creatures and such. So intimacies act as the buttons that you can push to drive social influence, but they also offer a defense against those buttons being pushed. Because while you need an intimacy to be able to persuade someone to action, having an intimacy that opposes that action boosts your resistance to that influence. Mechanically, intimacies increase or decrease resolve when resisting influence, and more than one intimacy may come into play, but only the strongest supporting intimacy and the strongest resisting intimacy are applied. So intimacies seem super important and like pivotal in terms of convincing people to do things. How do you find out what another character's intimacies are? I mean, at the most surface level... You talk to people about the things they care about and then learn them that way. To get to it more directly, you get to use the read intentions action. Read intentions allows a character to discern another character's motives or emotions or uncover intimacies. Read intentions uses your pool of perception plus socialize and is rolled against a target's guile, which is equal to their manipulation plus socialize divided by two and then rounded up. Uh, to uncover an intimacy, you roll read intentions and ask a guiding question about the intimacy you are trying to uncover. If you engage a dragon-blooded in conversation about their house or matriarch, then you could roll read intentions and ask, do they have an intimacy for Nimon? And you should get the details of what that tie means to them if you're successful. Most of the time, the role play has to be related to what you're reading intentions about, so you can't have a conversation about the weather and then ask how they feel about the immaculate philosophy, that there are charms for letting you do that kind of thing. 
Is that one of those things where in that conversation, the storyteller would just tell you what the intimacy is? Or is that something where the, the player would still ultimately need to figure out like what the actual words are? Because like an intimacy are words on a page that a storyteller has chosen for a, uh, a GMPC. Is that something where it's like, oh, you've dealt with this character long enough, you know that their intimacy is blank? Or is that something where you're still going to need to roll read intentions? I feel like that could go either way. Chaz is thinking. Yeah, you could definitely go either way with that. What I do is if a character is guessing, if they have not rolled the read intentions and they're saying like, I'm going to make an influence because I believe this character has an intimacy about caring for their parents, you can do that without rolling a read intention. And if you are right, still use that intimacy to leverage social action. But if you make a read intentions role specifically and say, you know what, I'm going to talk to this character about their parents, and then I'm going to make a read intentions role, and I'm successful, as the storyteller, I will tell them exactly what that intimacy is. So it seems pretty OP in a game where you can get like 235 successes to be like, I'm going to convince the bloody blah of Prasad that I should be in charge. I got 174 successes. I am now God King. Give me my mecha armor. Are there any ways to prevent that to like uh blow the no no whistle on social influence characters can always spend willpower to block influence that changes their emotions or beliefs but you can also stop a new intimacy from being created stop a major or defining intimacy from being weakened or reject the emotional effects of an instill action additionally if you have an intimacy that opposes that influence It creates a decision point where you may spend a point of willpower to simply reject that social influence. The intimacy does have to be stronger or equal to the intimacy that compelled you to act in the first place. So if someone is leveraging a minor intimacy to to get you to do something, but you have a major intimacy that's opposed to it, you can say, no, I'm going to use this major intimacy and spend the point of willpower to just reject the influence. But it has to be in addition to any intimacy that was used to boost your resolve to oppose the influence in the first place. Of course, finally, we have unacceptable influence, uh, and that can always be rejected without spending willpower, though a player can choose to accept the influence if they like. So, of course, we're going to talk right up front here about uh, potentially agency and consent violating issues. Any intimacy that would cause a character to completely abandon a defining intimacy is unacceptable. Any seduction attempts that the players storyteller for or or the storyteller um, for any npc uh, does not want to occur is unacceptable influence and while it doesn't explicitly say in the book anything that provokes a my character would never statement uh should probably also fall into this category also any influence action that doesn't have enough oomph backing it so any instill or persuade action that doesn't exploit a strong enough intimacy or a bargain or threaten attempt that does not use a sufficient reward or threat to back it up exalted seems to use the appearance attribute in the social category which has been contentious in some games but this being like uber fantasy kind of sweeps that away uh, and it also contains a very sexy space wasp apparently how does appearance work in the social system and secondary question why were sorcerers in tui almost naked in some cases you can roll appearance as the attribute for a social interaction this is especially the case when you're like making a first impression and hoping to instill a minor intimacy based on your your appearance and your awesomeness also characters with high appearance get a bonus when they are making social maneuvers against characters whose resolve is lower than their appearance. So if you have, say, an appearance for a character influencing a resolve to 
mortal, you get a bonus two dice based on the difference between your appearance and the target's resolve, because those of weak resolve are intimidated by the beautiful, or in Exalted, also the terrible, because there's an option for to, to flip your appearance from like beauty to terribleness uh, as a merit which can then make you make you get that bonus for intimidation or or other negative driven social influences which is pretty neat so is appearance then the how visually striking you are for whatever reason stat yes it is as a storyteller i'd give the advice that if a character is gonna rely on their appearance you should probably advise that they ask about applying this bonus. Um, I found it really hard to remember to apply this every time the character rolls. So it helps if a high appearance character asks for the bonus that they're expecting to get. Oh, and also to answer your question, Terry, sorcerers were naked because Exalted is a game for adults. And if we don't have titties, how will anyone know? I was just assuming it was one of those things where as you glue with a cult power, clothing would trap it. So the less you had, the more you could radiate essence into the cosmos to affect. No, it's especially silly because wizards in, in Exalted can wear armor. There's no penalty for that whatsoever. It's just yeah, silliness. No. It's just horny. How do you reverse the effects of social influence? So there's a couple of layers to that. Uh, if it's an intimacy that has been instilled or weakened or, or changed, it gets influenced like any other intimacy that the character has. So if you instill a minor intimacy, someone else could argue against it and remove it. When a character has been persuaded or bribed or threatened and has chosen the path of action or inaction, if, if that is the case, because they have made up their mind, it is harder to convince them to change their path. They get a bonus to their resolve, and the influencer needs to spend a point of willpower to even be able to attempt the influence action. Can you give a little example of that, like what that would look like? Sure. So let's say that Typhon, Wink in the Storm's Eye, the ambassador of the Mask of Winters, has convinced the queen to send her army to attack Lukshai. You, as the characters, think that's a terrible idea because this is really just getting getting the queen tied up in, in battle with someone who should be her ally so that a common enemy can destroy them both. And you want to convince her to change her path. You can bring the social influence to bear, but because the ambassador from this Death Lord has already convinced her to take action, her, her resolve is going to be higher than it normally would be. Okay, so uh, that person's resolve is increased by three. So if you want to overcome that, you've got a you've got a much higher barrier to 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 try and climb. Exactly. For people who think this system is too crunchy or has too much going on, Monica, how does this work in Exalted Essence? So some of it's actually very similar. Essence both makes it simpler and more flexible. So there's a little like a little bit more steps, but not quite to the degree we have going on here. So Essence also brings back Virtues, which are basically like super intimacies. Virtues kind of take the place of defining intimacies in Essence. They're like the umbrella under which all your intimacies are formed. Your starting intimacies in Essence uh, must be informed by your Virtues, but you can create ones later that are independent of them. For example, if someone uses a charm to automatically instill a tie of fear in you or something like that, then that tie of fear does not have to be attached to one of your Virtues. Those can happen independently. So Essence assumes that sometimes you're going to be targeting people with influence and it has nothing to do with their intimacies or their virtues and that just has a default difficulty. 
Basically, Essence goes, social actions are all based on a default difficulty. This starts at three, that magic number, and then is modified by your virtue and your intimacies at your option. For example, let's say that I'm playing a Dawn cast who wants to venture into this tomb just for the sake of like finding shit and the thrill of adventure, right? And my Dawn cast's minor virtue is courage. Let's say there's someone, a, a scavenger lord who's lost all of the things that he was trying to do going in there and he thinks it's too dangerous and he doesn't know my character is an exalt and is like trying to convince me to not go in there. My character's intimacies are things like to my home, protecting my homeland and love of my lunar mate or whatever. And neither of those things have anything to do with not going into this tomb. So that person is going to be targeting my minor virtue of courage because I'm not going to back down from this thing that seems dangerous. So then I would apply the, they would, they would be the base difficulty modified by my virtue getting in the way of wanting to back down away from something dangerous. If the scavenger lord is like, you should, you person with that definitely not a diclave shaped bundle on your strap to your back should definitely go into this really dangerous place. I want you to. They probably don't need to roll for that, to be honest, because my character was already doing the thing. Um, but let's just say it's a slightly different situation where this person is trying to convince my character to go into danger anyway. Because my minor virtue is courage and I'm already inclined to, to put myself into danger <laughs> or to prove myself through action or whatever, that then becomes easier and it makes the difficulty go down. So you have this very flexible system of base difficulty modified by virtue or intimacy or both if they line up, but only to the max value of both. So like, even if both my virtues and all of my intimacies apply to something someone is trying to do to me, you only get the benefit of the highest one. So you can't just be like, I stack all these modifiers and make it impossible. <laughs> and that's very similar uh, to intimacies in, in third edition, where again, it, it's the highest one that matters. Right, precisely. But the other thing that Essence does that is a little bit more flexible is after you beat Resolve, if you have extra successes, you can continue to purchase other social actions. Ooh which each have a success cost. It's kind of hard to like really get the whammy on this one. We tuned it pretty well. So you're not like suddenly destroying someone. But if you like read intentions, because read intentions is still there. And then you're like, oh, I know that they have this intimacy. I'm going to weaken it. And then you can, can roll that right over if you have enough successes. System design wise, is the one point of willpower to resist mostly, is that functional? Or is that mostly a reminder to people that, this is something your character is working hard to resist. As far as I know, willpower is pretty easy to get back, so I don't really think it's too taxing. Okay. Uh, Chaz, would you agree? Yes, I would agree. Where this is important to me is that you will often hear players be like, I don't want a system that takes agency away from me and my character. And being able to spend a point of willpower to reject it is the way to avoid that problem. It gives the player a decision point about whether they want to follow the dice or spend a fairly refreshable resource with a little bit of justification from their intimacies to say why their character wouldn't follow it. Do you have any recommendations on what a social botch should look like? It depends on the context. It, it could be an extremely negative reaction from the intended target. It could be a wild misinterpretation of what they believe or what they're doing if you're rolling read intentions. They could wildly misinterpret your intentions, and so maybe you've convinced them to do the thing that, that is not what you meant. I would look to see what's the most interesting negative consequence of this interaction that I can conceive of and um, go with that. 
I believe Nexus needs additional defense resources. I would never. I am a married man. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, can we uh, kick the tires on these or give it a try? Sure. Let us step once again into the Tarpan Wastes, where our heroes are in the town of Prismatic Falls. They have snuck into town after noticing that a young dynast, Nimon Eanji, and a troop of Nimon legionnaires are posted outside the city, which has secret cisterns deep in the cliffs with water once cascaded over the mountain, but has long ago dried up. How do you want to go about getting rid of these, uh, these soldiers who seem to be intent on um, rooting out the little heresy you have going in town here? Just uh, a little heresy. That's a <laughs> Just a little heresy. The life and times of Shrouded Mirror Oracle. You mentioned the unit of the Talon, I think. How many people are in a Talon? 25. To me, the first step is I don't know anything about this dragon-blooded person. So it seems like there should be a tiny amount of discovery. Figure out if there's some leverage we can do to either buy them off or threaten them or convince them that the thing here is not here. But at the same time, uh, this may be the time where we run out of get out of dragon-blooded assault-free cards. And I think we should also make some plans to prepare the town for, for something bad happening. Okay. So the one thing that you do know about this dragon-blooded is that he is the younger brother of the dragon-blooded who the banded terror fought at her exaltation. Monica, did your character, did the banded terror leave like a badass scar on that dragon-blooded? Yeah, totally. Of course. Oh, yeah. Okay. Of course. <laughs> I hope it literally was like left by the banded terror or something Signed. like that. Yep. Signed the name on his I, face and all that. the work. <laughs> yep. So I just looked at my sheet and I am not set up for this. So <laughs> it's all you, baby. So when I think of this town, I assume that the Falls of Prismatic Falls was a, a proper waterfall from long ago when the mesa behind the town was much more verdant. And maybe the prismaticity either came from the rainbows that were constantly cast by the water cascading off of it. Or alternatively, the local river god, there was some manifestation of them that appeared as multicolor mosses beneath the water so it looked like there was just kind of this this rainbow of multicolored water when actuality it was just like a, a base layer of greenery and that was one of the ways in which this dormant god manifested itself the old buildings are largely wood when the area could still support that but a lot of those are are cracked and split and there is now much more uh, loose sandstone construction in a lot of cases, it's not uncommon that on a particularly hot day, any of the buildings might crack slightly or shift, kind of like the sound of being in a very old house. But in this case, it's like stone. None of the new construction is more than two stories high because otherwise it could collapse and kill everyone. So it's just like the a lot of these low-slung buildings, except for the wooden ones that may be closer to the, to the walls of the falls. I imagine that, that you, there's a really clear division between like the old timber construction mm -hmm. which which is fairly well preserved because of the the arid climate 
Um, but like you said, the wood is drying out and cracking from years under the sun, next to like almost a standstone shanty mm-hmm. town of any of this new construction. To me, we have the ability by either going onto the wooden buildings, and maybe there is a, a, a failing palisade of some sort around it, where theoretically there is a wall, um, but one of these days a sandstorm is going to take it down, maybe. I, I think parts of the wall have been taken down to repair buildings. The town wasn't important enough anymore to really justify upkeeping the palisade, and so the decision was made to like tear sections of it down to, to, to repair construction when no timber was available anymore in the region, and they had lost the wealth to, to import it. There's no gates anymore, but the gatehouse and like the, the watchtower is there. You could come in from any other direction if you weren't following the road. I also like the idea that the river previously split the town in half, but it has run dry, but it is still considered bad luck to walk in the dry creek bed. So people still take short bridges over it, just kind of as a sign of respect. I love that. Has the the, the Talon sent anyone into the town yet? Do they have an operative around? So what it looks like is that the Talon has set up camp like right on the entrance to the town. So it's not that they're, they're not occupying the town, but they are like checking everybody coming in. So they have set up their little thing before that gatehouse. So I suspect that we will be able to, because we are, I just strictly from a meta perspective, we are also going to be demonstrating how to fight things. So I imagine that it may be not so hard or at least something perfectly within Shroud's capability to get the army to stand down or to be like, I don't want any of that. I hear a giant snake lives here or whatever it is you intend to leverage to get them to stop. But that's going to make the actual exalt probably unhappy and then we'll fight him. Okay. I was going to say, you could also potentially convince this dragon blood to leave. If you, if you hit the right buttons, like that is, that is not a path that is out of the question. Don't figure that you have to fight this dragon blooded. In that case, the thought in my head is I would like to do a simple one of maybe instill in Nassim to be like, hey, this may get dicey. If we need you to, can you be able to come up with a distraction if we suddenly need to beat feet or something like that? If we have set up the town, we are still in, we are picking up immediately from last time. I'm going to look at the uh, the banded terror and she has that uh, mischievous fleck in her eye of this could get dicey and that's exciting. Um, <laughs> and maybe I do the quarter eyelid raise where, and, and I want to turn to Nassim and be like, between the two of us, when you compare the resources we could bring to muster to save Prismatic Falls and those that we have, you have outspent us in the eyes of heaven 10 to one. But I need to ask of you one more favor. This dragon blooded is someone we've been able to bribe once, threaten twice, and I fear we may have run out of options. If it comes to that, do you think you can just make a distraction? We will go out and parlay with them likely today. And when we do, I will make a hand signal. And if you see it, make the largest commotion you think Prismatic Falls can muster. And that should buy us the time we need. So were I playing this out normally, I'd probably just have her respond uh, affirmatively. Um, <laughs> but let's kind of look at this as a social influence action. This sounds like you are persuading her to take a risk. This is certainly a risky course of action. 
it feels like I am balancing her willingness to bring attention to herself versus what I imagine is an intimacy of uh, see that prismatic falls persists. It sounds like you're you're calling on an assumed intimacy of how she cares about the town. Exalted is an open numbers system. She has a resolve of three, and that is going to be modified by her major intimacy towards Prismatic Falls. She has an effective resolve of one. It seems to me like you are using charisma and not manipulation, and, and this is clearly a presence roll. So roll charisma plus presence, and, and you're looking for at least one success. Okay, I only have seven dice. Monica, should I spend a point of willpower? <laughs> Don't you have an excellency? It would be a fantastic time to use one. Or one of your other social charms. Is excellency a class of charms or just a thing you have? It is a class of charms. But it is also a, just a thing you have. Like, you didn't have to buy them. You get them automatically. Gaining excellency. Solars automatically gain an excellency for each cast and favored ability in which they possess at least one dot, as well as any ability for which they have learned at least one charm. Okay, so those are all the checkboxes I have. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so excellency is then a system, or does that give me free access to an excellency-based charm? It gives you free access to an excellency-based charm, which is exactly the same for every ability, and it lets you spend motes to add dice to your roll. Additionally, when you're role-playing out a social scene, I usually count whatever role-playing has happened as a stunt. I thought that was a particularly cool speech coming from Shroud, and so I'll count it as a two-point stunt, giving you two extra dice and an automatic success. I have six successes. Nassim responds, you know my dedication to this town. I'll get as many ready as are willing to make a commotion. Look for the sign of falling water that we used in old times to invoke our river god. That is when I raise my hands and do what any normal person would recognize as jazz hands. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Fucking incredible. Yes. Okay. Do you, uh, should I send others for the cache of weapons? Sounds good to me. Yes. This may be the time where we finally need to call upon them. If it comes to blood, we'll be ready. And I guess then I look at the banded terror. I'm like, so uh, how do you want to take this one? Well, you're better at talking than I am. I am, and you're bettering at swallowing people whole. So I don't have that those charms yet. They're much higher. <laughs> I like the idea that my character I, doesn't know that. You're like, yeah, I totally am. <laughs> Do you know how big coral snakes are? <laughs> Hundreds of feet wide, from what I understand. <laughs> I'm very venomous. Very different. Yeah. Do we do this the the hard way or the easy way? Well, let's give them the benefit of doing it the easy way, and if they don't, it can be the hard way. Are there recognized garments of the Immaculate Order? Yes, there are robes, and monks shave their heads. I would like to look like an Immaculate Monk. Do you want to disguise as a person you've previously engaged with, using your various charms that no longer require you to literally rip out a person's heart? I mean, I also began play with a handful of forms, of which I have defined one which is a horse. Nay! Um, and it is not uncommon or unusual for people to have familiars or other animal companions. So what sort of creature would you like to be hang to, to have hang out with you? It's between horned lizard and bird of prey. Okay, I'm going to roll a die. Okay. Odd bird of prey, even lizard. Okay. Three, bird of prey. Harris hawk. Uh, all right, cool. I'm spending foremost to turn into a hawk and adding hawk to my list of heart's blood forms. Okay. <laughs> 
you, you never actually actually specified this terry but i have always imagined your character with like a buzz cut had previously been observing the immaculate tonsure and then we're like no, I think I'd rather have hair. And that hasn't been that long, so it's just really, really short. Yeah, and, and I try, yeah. I bring attention to it a lot. Like a kid growing a mustache for the first time who really wants a mustache, be like, yeah, it's really coming in. You're like, that looks like <laughs> someone sneezed pepper onto your face. So I, I think I'm going to, to, I guess, reshave the head and make a muttering thing about, what to do, stupid, they try and leave the order and it pulls you back in again. And at that, the hawk shits. <laughs> and I guess with that, trying to look like the most humble monk I can, walk out to the, the dragon-blooded camp. Okay. As you walk out, the soldiers kind of notice you. Like I said, they were alert. and they, they seem surprised that you are coming from inside the town mm-hmm. because they were not aware of an immaculate monk here previously. And one of them goes into the command tent that has the Nemon banner flying above it. The soldiers kind of give you a, a bow of respect. Nimon Aeng, who Iria had named for you previously, comes out of the tent wearing, um, of course, his battle garb that he was in previously, gives you a nod of respect and says, uh, Sister, I did not know any of the Order were in Prismatic Falls. We ride silently around the Tarpon Wastes, administering to the faithful. Many of the gods have left as is right and true through the flow of the essence that has fled this area. But still the people need love and maintenance until the Empire is again able to feed them as it once did. He, he, he nods. Okay, what does his battle armor look like? So he is not wearing artifact armor. So he is in the breastplate and kind of plates on the, the arms and, and legs, a little bit like Roman legionnaire. Uh, not all of the, okay. the legionnaires are that way, but he, he has heavier armor presumably as one of the dragon-blooded. He has no problem being fully armored in the desert in the hot sun. Is that like a flex for them? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, cool. He says, when did you arrive in the town? We've been here several days and we're not aware of your presence. I spend some quality time fasting and reflecting in the desert. I think I've been in the area probably for about two weeks now, but only made a return to the town from the Mesa a few days ago. The, uh, the benefit of membership in the order is one in an attempt to refine the one essence you often find the ability to commune with the animals of the desert and my good friend socrates pointing at the the harris hawk it gives me uh, exceptional ability to navigate the steep terraces of the mesa in a way that somebody of my age wouldn't be able to otherwise i see i will preen okay (laughs) that's a difficulty three action And have you caught any heretics in the region? There are rumors of heresy in this part of the Waste. It is a dying group clinging to dying ways. I heard rumor of insert name of local town. Okay. Has found some sort of old ritual used to lay prostrate before a harvest god and have repurposed it towards darker ends. I alone couldn't possibly hope to deal with it, but when I when I ride circuit to the six villages of this quadrant, I try and keep an eye on it. I think within six months they'll find a way to bring something much more menacing than anything that could be harassing you from the town of Prismatic Falls to bear on the Scarlet Empire. Ooh, that sounds like you are trying to convince him to go elsewhere. What intimacy do you feel like that might be calling on? Probably something pretty generic, like put down heresies against the Immaculate Order or defend the Scarlet Realm from outside faiths. 
Okay. Yeah, that, that is close enough to, to one of his intimacies. He has a resolve of four. That's going to be the base. You are calling on a, a major intimacy. Uh, so that is going to penalize his resolve by two. He does have an intimacy that opposes it as well, which is going to boost his resolve by two. I have a charm listener swaying argument. The solar's passionate appeals can soften even the stoniest of heart. This charm supplements an instill or persuade action, granting the solar one automatic success and additionally granting one non-charm bonus die for every two points that the target's resolve is boosted by any means. What does boosted mean? In this case, his resolve is boosted by an intimacy. So it is penalized by two points and boosted by two. Uh, He could also spend motes of essence to boost it further if he wanted to resist this. So now we kind of get into the order of operations, which is that first you have to declare any dice that you are adding to your pools. And again, I believe your role playing counts as a stunt. I'm going to call this a level one stunt. So you get two extra dice. Also, this to me seems like a manipulation plus presence role rather than charisma. Mm -hmm. You are convincing him of this thing that is not true. So I think that gives me eight plus one automatic success. I guess the, did you say the other thing I could do is use an excellency to blow moats to get dice? Yes. I would kind of like to get something like an exceptional success. What is the trade between essence and dice? It is one for one. And you can boost by up to your dice base dice pool. So in this case, your manipulation plus presence. However, the automatic success that listener swearing argument provides counts as two towards that maximum. So automatic successes counts as two added dice when you are calculating pool maximums. I now Um, understand why Exalted Essence exists. Okay. And and that Um. is also why it's important that listener swaying argument says you get a non-charm bonus dice because that die does not count towards the maximum. Okay. I'm going to blow five motes. That gives me 13 dice plus an automatic success. I you can see a smile creeping across my face involuntarily as I say those words next to each other. Um, delightful, isn't it? Now that you have your pool, the defense gets to do any any boosting that they would like to do. Uh, okay, got it. And so that, that's where it gets into order of operations. So you've done all of your boosting. Now he gets to boost. He is going to spend four motes to gain two resolve, at which will give okay. you another extra die. So you get 14 dice, but are rolling against a resolve of six. So I have now at this point missed the window to blow a point of willpower to get an automatic success. Correct. Cool. Got it. All these dice. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's that's a lot of zeros, Um, which is good in this game. Eat it, Invisible Sun. So the zeros are two? That is correct. Okay. I got nine successes plus the one automatic one. Okay. Ten successes. And, and this is where, when Monica was talking about the rollover successes doing extra things in essence, is really cool. But alas, yeah. that, that does not yet exist. It is a success. And you see a look of concern cross his face as your words sink in. And he says, that is most concerning. I had not thought the heresy was so grim. I knew your order was tracking rogue gods, but I did not know that that demons were involved. And I just nod and go, desperate times in desperate places cause desperate people to make desperate actions. I have no doubt that the Scarlet Empire will be able to maintain order once this disorganization it is going through currently is resolved. 
yes, it will be a boon when my matriarch takes the throne. Uh, the, is there a dragon-blooded equivalent of live long and prosper to house Naman? Um, may, its, <laughs> may its line be fecund and strong or something like that? Um, I don't think there's a specific one. I, I usually invoke the immaculate dragons. So something like may the example of the immaculate dragons guide Naman's path or guide your path would be very reasonable. Dragons bless your mother. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which I delivered sort of like an insult. May the example of the immaculate dragons guide your house and the eventual success of house Naman. Yeah, here, here's how I'm going to explain. Rather than, than playing this out, I'm going to lean into what you suggested where we can describe what is being said. He expresses mm-hmm. his concern, says that he has a duty to remain here at least another day, but then he will investigate during his return to the kind of the central point of organization. And then he says, uh, Sister, we would benefit from your keen eye and knowledge of the territory. Would you join us rooting out these heretics? I haven't seen any non-desert animals except for Socrates here. I am far too old and far too feeble to either ride with your group or to even be able to follow on foot. I respectfully decline. Is there a way I can get in contact you with you, though, if something were to happen in Prismatic Falls? He's actually going to be rolling a read intentions against your deception there. That's Something that <laughs> didn't come up when we were going through the systems is that there isn't a role for lying in the exalted social system. How a lie is handled is really based on the intention of what you are doing with that lie. So if your lie is to convince someone to do it, do something, it's a manipulation plus presence or socialize to make that social action. It's just rolled into the social action. If you are lying to someone about something else and they have reason to suspect what you're saying um they roll a read intentions against your guile to see if they can see through whatever's motivating you here i have a guile of two (gasps) okay aanji has a read intentions of seven dice base and he does not feel the need to boost this he he does still believe that you are an immaculate monk even if what you've just Mm -hmm. said is a little suspect would Mm -hmm. you like to boost your guile you always have options for boosting you can spend a point of willpower okay which would boost it by one you could also describe a stunt uh, which would boost it based on the level of the stunt i would count your lie that that lie that you made in roleplay as the stunt so i'm going to say that that boosts it by one okay in that case yeah me's going to blow some willpower okay um and by that i mean one point and i mean those that looks like those are my options I, i think it is So he's going to make that roll. Cool. And it's a good thing you spent that willpower. Uh, Hooray! (laughs) So he does does not see through your otherwise flimsy deception. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I imagine you have contemplation to return to. I will blink. (laughs) (laughs) Blink and stare into the middle distance. Yes, it is easy to forget about faith in trying times such as these. Of course, uh, the realm would be a better place if everyone remembered where they belonged in the perfected hierarchy. If I could shit on command. <laughs> yes, I mean, birds of prey can. You, you can totally shit on command. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to poop on you. I understand a raid shit. It's happened before. <laughs> <laughs>
try and be supportive. Some people snore when they sleep. With that, I guess I bow and then hobble and, and then try and affect my oldest, croniest hobble back to the city. Okay. And I think this deserves one final talk with Nazim, if that makes sense. Sure. You make your way back to the inn and enter. I see my reflection in something, maybe a piece of polished bronze. And I, I curse briefly at the fact that I'm like, it took me six months to grow that hair. And it's... Once we're like 100% out of line of sight, if the main room is empty or whatever, I'm just going <laughs> to back into human shape, yep. which is the <laughs> sound of feathers going places. Enter back in. You're, you're no longer in hawk form. And I'm like... Uh, I think Illyrian. I take it things went well? They went well, but we are not entirely free of these dragon-blooded snakes. No offense, honey. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> just, just imagine the face I made for yeah. our audience listening at home. I have convinced them that there is, and I'm just kind of giggling. I'm very pleased with myself as this happens. Uh, I may have convinced them that one of the neighboring towns... Oh, is dabbling in infernalism and maybe attempting to summon a demon. Even the stone-addled brains of the dragon-blooded will eventually figure out that they are just poor rural turd farmers and will probably return looking for my head. So we have not much time to figure out how we wish to make our final stand against these dragon-blooded. I doubt this charade can continue for much longer. Perhaps an ambush on the road to keep Prismatic Falls out of it for now. That way, even if there are escapees, they do not come back here. Nazim, in this, arca- in this incarnation, your, uh, your powers of planning and your, your wiles in combat have been wasted as a simple inn owner, which is both a compliment and an insult, which is something my character seems to be good at. We're back to like, you, you clearly intended this to be touching, but what you said was fucking weird. <laughs> and with that, I think we can, uh, can wrap up our, uh, our little scenes here. I think next time we return to uh, Shroud and the Banded Terror, uh, we'll, we'll likely be on the road preparing uh, an ambush of the Dragonblooded. But that is not next episode, because next episode we will be continuing our tour of creation. Uh, with a a look at the scavenger lands. Yeah. That is not the same as the East. It's a subsection of the East. Okay. Yes. And with that, Jazz, where can we find out what you're up to? You can find me on the Story Told podcast, where I am continuing the Fall of Jiara actual play. And if you're enjoying the Fall of Jiara and want to check out uh, Kathak Shoutun's artifact, I have recently published it on the Storyteller's Vault, and you should go check it out. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter as at StoryToldChess. And Monica, how can we see what you've been up to and the 39 books with your name in it that are coming out seemingly in the next six months? <laughs> this, at the same time? Yes. <laughs> uh, if you want to see all the things that have my name on it that are coming out, you can just read the Monday meeting notes. But you can also follow me on Twitter where I keep a more curated update list of that sort of thing. Uh, I am at Zenith Sun. Um, and if you want to hear that thing I said at the top of the episode about social systems, you can go listen to Bonus Experience uh, at bxpcast.com and become a patron where we do extended cuts of all the episodes, which sometimes have like 30 extra minutes of like really good content in it. And sometimes have 30 extra minutes of Ray and I talking about video games we're playing. Uh, it's a crapshoot. That's what you're here for. <laughs> Value is in the eye of the beholder. So, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> If you would like to hear more about games that are also storyteller but have shit for social systems, you can find out more at MageThePodcast.com or follow me on Twitter at Terry Robinson. Exalt strong. 
Thank you for listening to Systematic Understanding of Everything, an Exalted podcast. Go to exaltcast.com to subscribe, see our show notes, or listen to our past episodes. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and Anchor.fm. If you have a question, shoot us an email at questions at exaltcast.com. If you'd like to support our show, please consider using the affiliate links in our show notes to make purchases on DriveThruRPG and thestorytellervault.com. The opening theme is Return of the Solar Exalted, and the closing theme is the Sidereal Exalted Lesser But Safe from Fanfare for the Chosen by James Simple and is used with permission. In the meantime, exalt strong.